Set yourself a New Year goal, they said. It'll be fun. <sighs> Perhaps swimming in the Irish Sea wasn't such a good idea. Set a more achievable goal, like taking control of your finances with personalised money insights in the Bank of Ireland app. It'll help keep track of your spending, like changes to bills, or you might have too many subscriptions. See your tailored money insights, because your financial well-being is our priority. Bank of Ireland. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Terms and conditions apply. Great. There goes my towel. The Left Wing, brought to you by Bank of Ireland, a proud sponsor of Irish Rugby. Never stop competing. They were O'Driscoll, Morgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald, oh Fitzgerald is cutting back inside! Leicester have another! Darcy O'Driscoll oh. through the legs, Rob Carney, out of Fitzgerald again, step and score! Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's Rugby Podcast. I'm Will Slattery. Delighted to be joined, as always, by Luke Fitzgerald. <coughs> Excuse me, Luke, hello. <laughs> well, some entrance. Yeah, frog in my throat. <laughs> I'm glad we're socially distanced. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, how are things all good? Yeah, yeah, good. I, I'm slightly fatigued. I stayed up uh, late last night watching some of the US election coverage, so I'm, uh, I'm feeling it today. But uh, the, the opportunity to chat rugby is, is giving me a new lease of life. I can't talk about I literally have spent all day talking about that. I that and Brexit for about four years now. Yeah. So it's uh uh yeah, grim enough. <laughs> Those two like that uh just I hope I hope they it looks like they might have just pipped them at the end there. It looks like all the late ballots are sorry, are, actually do we want to cut this out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't we'll leave this to another podcast, uh, but uh <laughs> you, you fed me you, you fed me uh you know uh, the the breadcrumbs there and I just <laughs> You know, ate them up, but um, oh, geez, I hope to God he's gone. He's unbelievable, isn't he? Anyway, yeah, um, back to the rugby. Uh, and I wish I could <laughs> say more enjoyable stuff, but geez, it was a disappointing weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, no, no, it was. And we're, de- we're delighted to be joined uh, by friend of the show, Keen Tracy, to go over all the uh, all the kind of the action from last weekend and kind of what it means over the next couple of weeks as well. Keen, thanks so much for coming back on. Cheers, lads. I was getting worried there. I logged into the wrong podcast there, the wrong <laughs> info about American elections. I was just saying to Gav, who's who's obviously our producer, that uh, I was feeling very smug today because I decided not to stay up because I had a lot on and then was delighted when I saw all these tweets saying, oh, I wish I hadn't stayed up so late. So I'm feeling very smug. Yeah, it's because once it, once they start going to the uh, the uh, kind of the board with all the states and the guys flying around, it's actually very hard to turn it off. I'm not surprised like Americans just like watch that on TV like twenty four seven because it is quite addictive. Um, but yeah, moving on to matters at hand, Keen. Um, there's so much that we could kind of digest from the weekend and, and into this week. I, we might start because it, it was topical today with Jacob Stockdale. Uh, I know you were talking to him earlier, and. Um, you know, interesting that I think maybe he was promoting a product, so maybe that was why he was out this week. But maybe he probably wished it was a different week that he didn't have to come out. Uh, what What was he saying about the performance he put in the weekend, and what were your thoughts having having listened to him? You know, in relation to that game last weekend. Yeah, so I guess it is worth pointing out that he he did do a gig today, and it was obviously as part of a sponsorship gig. So it's not like he decided to come out himself and face the music. But what I would say is. He was on the call for about half an hour and I know like these guys are obviously getting paid, you know, for, for these sponsors gigs. But like in my experience, I've been at plenty of gigs before that have been sponsored gigs by with Ireland Internationals and 
you know, they haven't answered a lot of questions which were far less kind of inquisitive than the ones today. So, look, I, like, I, I just thought it was admirable to kind of front up and he answered everything openly and honestly. He's not shirking the fact that he had a pretty, like, horrible day. Like, I mean, there was a few good moments in attack and he scored the try, but obviously we're going to remember the errors. Um, and, like, the thing about Jacob Stockdale is he's such a confident and, you know, co- confident guy off the pitch and, his biggest problem is trying to translate that onto the pitch um, because like, the, the errors are just becoming, unfortunately, too commonplace with him. Um, look, he, I, we have a piece up on, online. There's going to be plenty more in, in tomorrow's Irish Independent as well. Like, the, the, I suppose in short, like, he's not kind of hiding from the fact that he made errors. I think he's kind of reiterating that he does want to still play full-back. He wants another chance to play full-back. He feels like it's his best position. And okay, you know, not going down on the ball that led to the penalty try was like something you learn like when you're you know first playing like minis rugby but the point I guess he was making was that mistake could have happened anywhere in the pitch it doesn't necessarily mean he can't play fullback now that's his argument um I did feel sorry for him you look at like a lot of this stuff that gets said on social media and like this is something he's spoken about previously that he's had to just avoid it because it's just become so nasty and horrible like the guy is still only 24 he didn't go out there to you know to not ground that ball get down on it so yeah like I, I, I do have an element of, element of sympathy uh, for him but it's it, it leaves Andy Farrell in a really tricky position I think and it's a it's like he's got a few headaches to be fair on his hands I know we'll get to them throughout the course of the show but this is another one because it's still very early days in Andy Farrell's tenure but He's got to decide now whether to stick or twist, and it, like it might have been easier a few weeks ago to go for put Jacob Stockdale back on the wing, but with James Lowe now Irish qualified, you know that becomes a little bit more difficult. And I think it's been telling that, despite the fact that James Lowe wasn't eligible to play in the last two Six Nations games, Ireland kept him in camp rather than giving him back to Leinster. So that would suggest that, like you know, he's probably going to make his debut against Wales next week. So. It's a big test of, of Farrell. I mean, I suppose the question is, how long do you stick with this experiment, if, if that's what you, what you want to call it? Because, you know, it's costing Ireland big games. And while Stockdale's mistakes weren't the reason, sole reason Ireland lost, they certainly contributed to a messy kind of performance. Yeah, and I guess when you look at, the, at some of the defeats since 2019, the home loss to England, he, he you know, kicking behind, he misjudged the bounce of it. They got to try, England got to try there. Twickenham this year as well. There was there was a ball in behind uh, into the backfield he, again. He kind of misjudged that one too. So I suppose him saying that maybe he could have that mistake could have happened anywhere on the pitch. It's happened a couple of times in, in a similar area where he's maybe been at fault. I suppose Luke, you know, there's definitely elements where he can grow into the position and be a great full back possibly. But in the in the short term, do you think he should get another chance over the next couple of weeks, or is it time for Andy Farrell to look at other options? Um. I think he should get another chance, yeah. I do. I think, um, you know, you don't sell a guy down the river just because he made a few bad mistakes. Um, but I do think he, he needs to be, you know, he needs to be sat down. I mean, look, I, I think I, I'm only hearing a small part of this conversation that Keane's kind of relaying. So maybe I'm taking a set of context. But my key thing with, with, with watching him is I think he just still has a lack of respect for the football. Um, he needs to get that resolved. I think he's still poor on the ground. He needs to get that resolved. He doesn't fight very hard there. And then I think he hasn't really he hasn't really copped the part about switching on defensively. 
and what that really entails for him. I feel like in the, you know when he's tackling, I think his 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 understanding is getting a little bit better, but his footwork is is lazy. His body positions are kind of poor there, and I think he fails to kind of recognize situations where there's not much upside to to attacking. And what I mean by that is. We all talk about yes going down on that ball, but he didn't really need to go down on it. He just needed to recognize that regardless of what happened, he just needs he was in an okay position. He tried to run, he tried to pick that Greg Grover up and run with it because he I, th- I don't know whether he thought there was a collision coming or he thought he could run through a little gap. That was one of those situations where he just needed to just just ga- just gather the ball back for the team. You don't need to make ground here, you just need to gather the ball back for the team. And I think it doesn't matter like it doesn't really matter where it happens but there are situations regardless of where you are on the pitch where retaining the football is paramount and he needs to understand that and respect that because there was a huge amount of hard work and and, and really good endeavor from the guys around him and particularly the, the front eight I thought you know in a very difficult place to go really competed well with France for large periods of that game uh, I know they had some troubles at the line out of times but for the most part I thought they were really really excellent and I think giving away the ball as many times as he did and just a few kind of sloppy errors in positions where you just have to just just gather the ball, fight hard on the ground, retain possession. Um, and I think he didn't do those things well. And he, he, that's a realisation that he has to have, that he can't make the spectacular play every time. Sometimes you just need to hang on to the ball and retain it because there's 14 other guys in the pitch with you in international rugby who are international rugby players. They're top quality guys. You don't need to do it all. So I think. To tie all that off, he has a few things he needs to think about and get clear in his head um, and switch on with, I think, as well. But I think he'd be a brilliant fullback for Ireland in the, um, in, in the look, I think in the short term. I, think, I don't think these are, there are things that he can't fix, by the way, and he can't fix quickly. It requires some thought and some concentration and some feedback, some fairly stark feedback from the coaches. Mm. I really like him in the position, Will. I think he's a big guy. You saw parts of, of his game where... He still has a special talent going forward. He's got great pace. He has a big left boot. Um, and I think, look, the, the the playmaking and bringing the opposition wingers in, in, into the game, it, look, this wasn't really a game for that anyway. I think it was tricky enough conditions, to be honest with you. But that can, that's something that he can grow into as well, and he has the ability to do that. So I'm saying stick with him. I think he's still a young guy, as Keen said, and I think he still has massive upside um, if he can get his game right and his thinking right. And I just think he's he's the right guy for Ireland going forward. Yeah, Keen, like I wouldn't disagree with that assessment in terms of the medium to long term projections for him. It's just in the short term, like when you have, say, as you mentioned, James Lowe waiting in the wings, probably going to get capped against Wales. And then you have Conway and Keane, who are both going reasonably well, too. Like it's kind of hard to justify leaving Stockdale in the team for the next game, even or, or two games, just because he hasn't been playing well. So, like, it kind of breeds this thing where players are just, you know, have, are secure in their place. And I, I get the kind of the thought process of like, not trying, not discarding him after one or two poor performances and trying to build someone in a position. But then at the same time, there is the argument that you don't want to breed a complacency in the jersey or that players can just hold on to it, even if they're not going well over the same period of time. Yeah, no, you're right. And like it, it is one thing we've definitely been banging on about on this podcast in particular is picking players on form. Like he has had some good games though at fullback. Like I mean, Ulster are playing him in, in there as well. I think like your question is maybe focusing on like the, the wider picture of that is like over these next four games in the Autumn Nations Cup, you want to see different things, different guys in different positions. So like I don't want to see you know, like I don't think anyone wants to see Jacob Stockdale starting every single game at fullback. 
And that's not nothing against Jacob Stockdale. I think it's because we want to see what other guys are capable of. For me, I'd like to see what Hugo Keenan can do. I think he looks like he could be a, a useful option at fullback. I think Shane Daly is nailed on to, to play at least one of the games. He'd looked quite good for, for Munster. Um, so there are options and we've kind of gone from a situation where you kind of knew what the back three would be. Like, I mean, I think Andrew Conway has had a tough couple of games as well. Like the ball just hasn't come his way really in either game and he hasn't had a chance to, you know, to show what he's about either. So I think Ireland are in a position where the makeup of the back three for me is probably like a bit, bit up in the air. You've got uh, Keith Earls to come back in there as well. So yeah, there's a lot of places up for grabs, but I would be siding with Luke as well. I think Stockdale is definitely worth another look. Like, I mean, he's making the point that uh, like it's a tough environment to learn in. You know, he hasn't had a full season at full back for Ulster where he's been playing, you know, top level Heineken Cup games. I know he's had a few here and there, but he's kind of learning on the on the go if you want. And it's a tough place to learn. So like you think back to 2018 and like everything he touched, it turned to gold and like and I know like a lot of those bounces kind of went his favour and you think back like to what he did against the All Blacks and chipping over Kieran Reid or having been blocked down by Kieran Reid you know a, a while earlier so he's still trying to play the brave moves but I do agree with Luke it's it's not always about the Hollywood miracle play he's got to nail the, the nuts and bolts and I think he recognises that but it's probably one thing recognising it and another thing actually doing it and he, he he probably will get another chance but I mean I I don't think it's going to be a case of if he's going to get chances you know like for forever basically I think there is going to come a time where Ireland are going to have to make a decision because the Autumn Nations Cup is such an important time like it's it's a Mickey Mouse tournament let's you know let's call it a spade a spade but in terms of building you know for the next couple of years it's absolutely crucial and Ireland have a lot of you know, like younger guys, uncapped guys in particular that are knocking on the door. And I think it's a, this is the time now that, that we need to see them. And, you know, heading into next year's Six Nations, you want to have a fair idea, injuries and form permitting, obviously, you want to have a fair idea of the makeup of, of your strongest team. And for me, the back three is certainly one that's up in the air. Yeah, no, it's definitely interesting to see what way he goes better over the next three weeks. Like you could probably see it as a case when they play, you know, maybe Hugo Keenan against Wales, Stockdale against England, and Shane Daly against Georgia in the 15 jersey, and then maybe the, the final game, you know, revert to one of the three. Uh, another area of the team that's kind of come under, uh, or people have been talking about Luke since the weekend, is, I guess, Johnny Sexton and the captaincy in particular, I guess, after, you know, everyone's seen the incident by now of, of him being substituted off and shaking his head. He's talked about it since, defending it or, or playing it down a bit. Um, but I suppose similar to going into the last World Cup when Roy Best was the captain at age 38 and there was question marks. You know, we're, we're, I know Andy Farrell hasn't committed long-term to Johnny Sexton, but what, what, where do you see that role of his in the team at the moment? And, and what did you make of the incident uh, at the weekend? Well, I think the role is still integral. Um, I still see quite a difference between uh, him and the next group of guys. I'd like to see more of Joey Carberry. I'd like to see, um, you know, I'd like, probably like to see a bit more of Ross Byrne. Like, I think that's a real challenging position to be in Leinster because most of the big games are still going to be going to Johnny Sexton. Um, I'm very concerned that Kieran Frawley is not going to get enough game time and is switching out to 12. He looks outstanding to me. I like everything about him at 10, um, but he's not going to get a shot there. I think he really needs to have a, a real think about his career and what position he wants to play because you need to make you need to make a call on that. 
Um, I think I like everything about him. I really do. Um, and then, um, so yes, look, integral to, to part one of, of the question. Part two, I think it was it was dealt with during the week in terms of you've two ex-Irish captains in in Keith Wood and, and Brian O'Driscoll, I thought, put it very succinctly that, of course, you're going to feel that way. And yes, I still think it was a mistake to pick to, to, to drag him off. I, I do believe that. Uh, particularly at that time, I think Ross. It was very hard for Ross Byrne to turn that game around. With, was it twelve minutes? Was it six? Was it? I think I'm going to say it was sixty-eight minutes or something, wasn't it? It's about fifteen to go. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Fifteen. I still think that was a hard ask for someone to come in in those conditions and turn the game around. But your body language has to be better. And I think Johnny went on reflection, and, and particularly if he thinks about like like Brian O'Driscoll and him are very close. Um, that would have been very hard for 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 Brian to say, but he would have been saying that with the best intentions. And I think. While you can feel that, and of course you want your best players and all your all your players who are there to feel that way about getting taken off when there's a critical moment for the team and you feel like you can make an impact, you just can't show it. And I think that's I think Johnny on reflection will be will be able to see the the error in that. You need to be supportive of the coaching staff. You need to be supportive of your teammates coming on. Um, you know, there's a chance while he was doing that, he might have missed an opportunity to tell Ross Byrne something about, you know, I think there's space in behind in behind them for a chip. I think this play might work. Just even one one or two encouraging words. Um, you know, that may I'm, I'm just saying that might not have been available on the weekend, but I think that's the time to be thinking about that rather than being disappointed and particularly showing it. So I, I think upon reflection, Johnny's always been really good at that. Um, and I think he'll he'll feel like he can do better for the team, and that's in the, in that circumstance, and particularly for the guy who's coming on. Um, and yeah, I think that was a mistake. But like, look, he's not perfect. So um, yeah, I'd say that's something to look at, and he could definitely do better than the captain, anyway. And in terms of the long term implications of being there, I thought he looked really good on the weekend. I thought he looked very fit for for large parts when he was in the mix. Um, and I think that break might have been really, really good for him uh, at this stage of his career. Whether or not he can make it to the World Cup, I think that might be a big ask. But, um, you know, I, I, all you can go on is what you see in front of you. And um, that position, to, me, to my mind, is a bit more aerobic than anaerobic, if you know what I mean. It's not really huge, big power bursts like a winger or something or, or, or a centre. You might be able to go on a little bit longer, but... Um, I don't know. It seems like a tough ask, and it's going to be a difficult question that Andy Farrell is going to have to have some kind of answer for fairly quickly, I think, because you do want to have someone settled into that position and that leadership role, um, you know, for for a period before that, and someone that is definitely going to be there. So I think you're looking at probably James Ryan as the outstanding candidate at the moment. Um, uh, I, I will I will say, you know, that I don't think they're going to be lacking for leaders. I think there's a few good characters in there. So I think that regardless of, of what happens in that, in that over the next couple of years, um, they're going to have someone good there. Gary Ringrose is probably their standout candidate given his age category as well. Yeah, Keen, like this this issue I saw with Johnny Sexton is probably like going to be the defining uh, or one of the fine decisions of Andy Farrell's tenure in the sense of, as I said, he's 35, he wants to go to the World Cup. It would be unprecedented for a 38-year-old to be starting at a World Cup, uh, you know, for, for a Tier 1 nation He's the captain at the moment. There hasn't been a long-term commitment, so that could be reviewed maybe going into the following Six Nations. There doesn't seem to be a, a, an outstanding candidate to replace him at the moment, or anyone even realistically near replacing him in terms of an international standard out half. And then he's also out of contract at the end of the year, so there's even a bit of uncertainty about you know what what, what his future lies, even even in that sense. So there's there's a huge amount of decisions for the key man of the team. 
And Andy Farrell, as you said, doesn't really have a whole lot of time in terms of making a decision uh, uh, going ahead, journey section wise. Yeah, it's it's one of definitely one of the big issues. Like I mentioned, that that is up for grabs. I think. It was probably pointed that uh, when Sexton was named as captain that it was going to be a campaign-by-campaign campaign basis. Now, I know uh, Johnny Sexton and Andy Farrell are both doing media tomorrow. So, like, look, they're both fronting up probably a couple of days early trying to, you know, trying to get out in front of this. The one thing I would say is I, I agree with Luke. I thought um, Brian O'Driscoll and Keith Wood put it very well, like probably better than anyone else could. And I think that will really sting Johnny Sexton because I think the likes of me can say or write whatever I want. He probably doesn't care, you know, what I say or what I write. But you can see, you've seen it in the past with um, when Ronan O'Gara has kind of said stuff as well. He doesn't like it when guys who he's played with, you know, come out and publicly criticize him. So I think that will that will really sting. I guess the, the issue with it was that it, it, it just wasn't a good look, but it's not the first time it happened either. If you think back to the Six Nations last year, I think it was in Rome and he kicked the water bottles when Jack Carty was coming on. And I'm not saying it contributed to Ross Byrne's performance, but Ross Byrne had a stinker when he came on. And I'm sure that, you know, kind of what was going on around him didn't really help. So it's a tricky one. I think, like, I remember after the World Cup, uh, I wrote a piece, like, uh, I just thought that Ireland, you know, should probably have looked to, to turn the page and look at someone who will be guaranteed to be, you know, at the, the next World Cup. And for me, that person will be James Ryan. But I guess there's a few issues with that. And you're right, like you mentioned Rory Best at the last World Cup. Like that decision didn't really kind of work out too well for Ireland because Rory Best's form was not good leading into the World Cup. And you kind of felt, well, you kind of wondered, like, did Joe Schmidt feel like the, that he had to play because he was his captain? Do you want to go down that road again? Or are we going to learn lessons from um, from last year? So, yeah, like, it's a, it's a tricky one. Is he going to be around in a few years' time? And, and, and I guess the issue then with James Ryan is that he's not captaining at Leinster. So it's a big ask to ask him to captain Ireland. And He's taken over the lineout calling in the last couple of games, and the lineout was a real mess um, at the weekend. Luke, Luke kind of touched on it there earlier. It was a real issue. So he's got kind of his own, you know, growth that he's going through at the moment. And I thought it was interesting um, for the decision not to kick for the post just before half time. Like you can see, Johnny Sexton had a quick conversation with James Ryan. Now, obviously, no one knows only them like what was actually said, but. For me, it needed probably more of a strong personality there to go, is this really the best decision? Because I'm not sure if James Ryan would have stood up to Johnny Sexton there and said, like, okay, well, why don't we take the post or kick for the post instead? Because not, like, I know hindsight's great and all that, but it, it felt like the wrong decision at the time. And it was a real crucial moment in the game because France kept Ireland out and then scored after half time. And there's your kind of winning and losing of the game. So... But just quickly on that, like one thing I, I don't understand is like taking on a penalty from like yeah. your own 10 meter line or it was even like, you know, Elliot Daly, fair enough. Like he drills them all the time. Conor Murray, it's a huge ask. Like put that into touch near the 22, you have a good chance of scoring. And then conversely, you have a kicker from the post, a gimme, and you don't go for it. That doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. No, it, it, it doesn't at all. And it for me, it summed up the, the muddled kind of thinking of the players. And like I do agree, I think Gary Ringrose and James Ryan are, are going to grow into leaders. But I think there's a slight lack of leadership a little bit in, in the team at the moment because you need a cool heads at that moment. And I suppose like on the wider the wider point of that, like the sort of muddled thinking, um, like for me, it's a major concern. Like because all last week you had James Ryan and Robbie Henshaw talking about the importance of not, you know, retreating into your shells when you go to the Stade de France. And then 
You had Andy Farrell after the game saying the players did retreat into their shells. You had Andrew Conway, you know, and, and the coach, sorry, Andy Farrell also said that there was a lack of belief. And at halftime, the message was, you know, to believe. And like, I think it's very concerning that there's a lack of belief amongst uh, a group of players who were only, was it 17, 13 at halftime with a Six Nations on the line. And let's not forget, like, because England didn't put the score in Italy that we thought they would have, it wasn't the, the, as difficult a task as it might have been, you know, having to get, get the bonus point. And you think back to everything that happened last year, Joe Schmidt describing Ireland as being a bit broken, and even the IRFU's assessment after the World Cup, they, they used uh, the phrase performance anxiety. That was one of the reasons. And for me, there's still a bit of, ha- a, bit of a hangover here that if a, new, if a new Ireland coach is seeing, you know, poor body language, it's, it's not, a, not a good sign for me. Do you, th- do you think that's... I don't think that's right, though. I thought that was a bit of a after the match comment that I think, you know, like if you're going for the corner in that in that circumstance. And I, by the way, I thought the referee made a very poor call on that. Uh, on, on like it was very clear. Yeah, shocking. Yeah, like it was a really poor decision. So we could be having a very different conversation about this. I I believe that it was the wrong call to do it anyway. I looked at. I don't know if you watched New Zealand on the weekend. They were twenty-five points up against um, Australia, and they just. I think Australia might have scored a try, but they were well, well in front of the game, in front of them. Ball in front of the posts. They just knock it over. They just keep knocking them over. You know. I just think um, they might need. They need to really think about why they're doing that. And I'm hoping that they're doing that based on on the numbers, and they're saying to themselves, "Well, because you you probably have like fr- from where they were like." Okay, regardless where the kick is, right, you probably have a kicker who's averaging between 85 and 90% as an international goal kicker. We, I think we can all agree on that. You really have to figure out what the value is um, to go into the corner. What percentage of the time do you get the seven points? So first of all, yes, okay, so say you get it 20% of the time, 30% of the time you get your five points. But then again, like you've got two, two other points. If you score out wide, your, your percentage of getting the other two points goes right down. Um, you know, the other 80% of the time you, you probably concede a penalty and you're back down the other side, you know, you're back down 30, 40 meters from the post or they might be getting the ball back from there. There's loads of these other things. I just hope that they've done the thinking about this going to the corner thing, because as far as I can see it, when it's a very close battle between the packs, it seems like quite a big risk to me to go to the corner and you might end up, yes, maybe getting a yellow card or you might end up getting another penalty, but you're probably back to square one anyway. I just hope that they're doing that based on the numbers and they figured something out because from the outside, it looks like they're making bad decisions and the thinking is a little bit muddled. I think you have to take the points there. You're getting the ball back from the kickoff anyway, so you have a chance to probably get back in the game and, and, and do a set phase from, from the kickoff, which most teams do. Or they're, you know, they're pretty organized from that situation. Um, so, yeah, look, it looks like they might have to have a rethink about that. And I, I would say the same thing to Leinster, even though, because Leinster's pack are usually, you know, this is where I think a lot of this decision resides. Is actually, it comes from Leinster doing it all the time. More often than not, like, Leinster have way more, like, they're usually kicking the crap out of everyone in the pack. So they can go ahead and do it, and they can usually maul a team up there, or they can break them down fitness-wise. I think on the international stage, that's a way bigger ask. Um, and, and I just hope they've done the thinking on it. It looks to me like you should always take the points. Um because the kicking is just usually at such a high standard. Like Johnny Sexton was knocking them over all, all day. 
from everywhere, I thought. Um, well, I think you make a good point in terms of the, uh, <clears throat> like, you know, not not playing the percentages per se, but like knowing, as you say, the percentage of kicking the, an easy three-pointer, which is a gimme, versus how often do we score when we go to the corner and if we go for a mall against this sort of yeah. team. Like, they had already missed one or two chances in the first half already, so it wasn't as if, it wasn't like Exeter against Racing where, like, every mall within five metres was going over the try line and you kind of knew they had a similar choice before half-time and they went to the corner and it paid off. You know, it, it's an interesting... Do you know what I think? I wonder have they considered. So I think lots of people measure that decision up with a three points versus seven points, right? Mm -hmm. But the fact of the matter is, if you more often than not, I think most of the tries, if they looked at it, now I'm only saying this without looking at any hard data, right? But it looks to me like, say you score it, you know, 20 or 30% in, in that period. Of the 20 or 30% of tries you score around there, I reckon a huge portion of those are probably from a mall, which means that you're scoring your five points in probably the, within the 15 or maybe just outside the 15 i reckon your percentage of the kicks that you come that you get from from the 15 or outside of that i reckon the percentage goes way down from say your whatever 80 90% that you might get from the other position so i wonder are they really figuring out is it is it's not actually a conversation of a 7 versus a 3 it's probably more a conversation of the 5 versus 3 with a low percentage kick and the point in all of this is like th this conversation would be so much like more important if Ireland had actually needed to get the bonus point like you'd, you'd understand why they're going for the corner but they didn't need to get the four tries so why not keep the scoreboard ticking over and again for me that comes down to a little bit of lack of leadership because I think you needed like someone like you know Apollo Connell or Brian O'Driscoll so like a cool head in that situation because like, let's face it, Johnny Sexton would have kicked that penalty and you're going in at halftime, 17-16. That's a very, very different halftime team talk that Andy Farrell has given then. You'd wonder then, is there going to be this talk of like lack of belief and whatever? And then, obviously, to compound it all, France score four minutes after the restart. And, and that's the game, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah no, it reminded me of... Remember those well, guys. Like the, if, they're, if they're within one point uh, and France get a converted try... Uh, you know, there's still all you need is another penalty, and you're still within what converted try of of winning the game. You know, so like I think that's that's probably worthwhile mentioning. You know, you don't. It just me, seems to me like it makes it very hard work. Like it's hard to get a try, particularly in those conditions. And as you said, Keen, the key part was in terms of situational thinking around your decision making. They didn't need to get the tries. So mm -hmm. that was something that you have to build into your thinking throughout the game. Sorry for interrupting you, Will. Go on, go no, it's, just, it's interesting in terms of, you know, how how much of the permutations could have been discussed beforehand. Like, I know, obviously, Simon Easterby in the build-up said that he originally, I think he said, Keane, correct me if I'm wrong, that he wasn't going to, that the players weren't going to be really briefed on the England game. I presume now when England didn't get that much of a score, things changed because after the game, they didn't say they didn't know. But in terms of how... What knowledgeable they were on the permutations or, or how much they discussed the permutations in terms of what they needed it's it's something that Irish players are well used to having played in the Champions Cup where like you know going into the last day there's often you know an emphasis on getting a certain amount of points or tries it's a very important part of the game and I, I just think that decision slightly overlooked maybe what was needed in, in that in that moment yeah, there's no way they didn't know exactly what was needed. And like, let's face it, like get, getting a bonus point win in, in Paris was always going to be like next impossible. And I think everyone kind of agreed with that. And like for me, you can imagine like the boost that the players would have got when they hear the, the score in the England game and that they don't need that anymore. So yeah, it just, it, it, it was just confusing. Like you said, like if you're going to line up, like what was Conor Murray's kick, like 57 metres, like if you're going to do that at the start of the game, which in fairness, he had the distance, he, he just slightly missed it. And if that goes over, it's a good tactic. It's three points on the board. But to then 
not do it at such a crucial stage. And like, what was strange as well is like, like Johnny Sexton is so experienced in those kind of situations as well. And you'd wonder if as captain and as out half, as a kicker, if there's just a lot going on and he's trying to do it. And I know it was something that he kind of was a bit feisty about um, previously that um, I'm not sure he was referring to, but uh, he said like previous players were critical of the decision to go for the corner in the Wales game. Now, Ireland obviously ended up getting the bonus point in that game, but like the circumstances are very, very different to a home game against Wales early in the tournament rather than, you know, compared to being in Paris, like with a Six Nations on the line that you don't need to get tries. Now, I know what was it like? They needed one try and six points or else a win by seven points. Like that wasn't beyond the realms of possibility, particularly with how that game was, was panning out because I don't know about you guys, but going into the game, like one of my biggest concerns would have been that like France were going to overpower Ireland and we were going to be, you know, back at square one and kind of having the England conversation again. That didn't happen. Like, and that was a huge, like for me, like encouraging sign that that didn't happen. So having won, or not won, but having matched France physically up front to not then go and take the points. Like it just felt like, were they trying to do too much and maybe like not thinking about the actual, like, like what was what was at stake because it just didn't make much sense. I, do you know what I thought? Like it, it looked to me like they. And, and sorry, I don't completely disagree with this line of thinking. By the way, I, I will say that, and it's kind of a defense of the tactics in 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 one respect. My sense is that I think they think they're fitter than them. Um, you know, and 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 they were thinking more ball, more ball on play. I think they France do give away a huge amount of penalties, which I thought actually. They did get away with quite a bit around their 22 and inside their 22. I will say that because I felt like the, the kick in behind where it was a clear yellow card, like that was just a definite yellow card, right? That almost discounted all the other penalties that were kind of more cynical and that were, you know, where Ireland were in very good positions, right? And that kind of disappointed me. I felt like that he was kind of like, oh, well, look, they've got their yellow cards and now we've got these other five. I, think I, I counted, at last count, I counted five or six, I'm going to say five or six penalties on the 22 or inside the 22 in fairly attacking positions. Um, and to my mind, I was thinking, look, in terms of the strategy and going to the corner, I wonder did they think that going to the corner was going to get more ball and play time. And that's that's the only thing that I can see that would really support that strategy, to my mind. I, yeah, I don't yeah. know if you guys think that. And they were kind of saying, look, in the long in the long run in the game, this might we this might not pay dividends now, but we really feel like over the over the course of the game, we can break them down. I think this 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 plays to our strengths and not to not to France's strengths. But that that's the only thing I can think of. I don't know if you got what you guys think of that. I just heard Johnny Sexton talking after the game. He said the thinking was that he just they expected France to score tries, so they just didn't think a three pointer would would be sufficient at the end of the day. I heard him say that in one of the post match mm. comments. Yeah, and he like he said it was a, a brave call, but like it's not like I, I just don't really get that it's a brave call. Like when it's like it's all about being being smart and. I don't really agree with with you, Luke. Like I, I know like France's indiscipline can be poor, but I, I think the whole myth around France not being as fit is kind of gone now. Like I mean, particularly since Sean Edwards has come in, like they look like a different beast. Like you look like like the young guys that they've supplemented with the more experienced guys, like someone like uh, Wilhelmsa, who, like I didn't know that this guy was that good. Like you know they've really got like guys like him into shape, and I think. You know, we probably haven't actually mentioned it, but France were pretty good. Like, and France, France are going places. So, it felt like a game that was there for for Ireland for the taking. But just the second half collapse would would leave me quite concerned. I have to admit. 
Yeah, well, one thing with France now is that they've they've agreed they, they get more time to train mm. as, as a squad, which can only be very beneficial in terms of not only you know upping the fitness, but in upping the cohesion. You know, you saw the way they linked you know Intermac to Vakatawa and Dupont on the shoulder. It was really good to watch. One thing I'd like to get your opinion on, guys, just kind of a bit of a random one, but it's something that I've noticed a bit over the last couple of weeks, maybe in the Exeter Racing game, and then last weekend, even last night, like Luke McGrath taking the, it's taking a quick tap around the line rather than always going to the corner for mm. a line out, setting the line out, and then get like against Francis getting shunted into the touch by a giant packer against Saracens, like Leinster got shunted into touch a few times, like. The quick tap around the line, I just think, you know, extra. Like, I, do, like, I know it's. Like, I, think, I think it's a really effective tactic. Like, am I, am I crazy? Like, is this like an underage tactic that I think should be adopted? Bring, like, back, <laughs> bring back Gary Halpin, too. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. Like, for when Exeter did it against Rasting, it was really effective over the weekend. I think Scotland did it against Wales. It worked well. Luke McGrath last night got over for a try with it. I just think it's something that's so underutilized and, like, always going to the corner, especially when you're against a big pack. It, it doesn't always pay dividend. Yeah, it seems like a, like when you say it, I mean, like it, it's a, it, you'd have to say like it's it's probably a high probability chance of you retaining the ball that way versus saying you know in a line out. I feel like maybe there's unless your line out's really really strong, you got a great thrower. Yeah. Um. You know, maybe maybe that might be yeah, it might be a good strategy. Yeah. I and you're and you're basically camped on the line immediately I, as well. Like, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not putting something out that like you should have all these fancy moves where you've like two guys facing the opposite way. <laughs> I don't. I just don't want that to be the line of this. But I do think there is some merit in doing that, particularly if, like you say, they felt that um, they might have been fitter than them. Keen, I, I get the point. That might not be the case as much anymore. But there's still a few big guys in that French team, um, and French rugby's play, played at a very different pace. It's actually not. If you, I don't know if you like. Whenever you watch it, I don't know if you do. I'm sure you, you probably watch more rugby than me. But I think um, it, it's it's played at a pretty pretty slow pace like it, it is for the most part you know and i think um the irish guys still might feel like they have an edge on them there that whether rightly or wrongly i still feel like they think that um yeah. and i would say that 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 quick tap actually might play into that strategy a bit better than waiting for a lineup but yeah. yeah i think even in terms of like you know it's worth mentioning like um in terms of breaking them down later in the game like the bench they had to bring off compared to ireland's was you know it sort of said a lot and not to bring the mood down again, apologies, we were, we were having a good crack there. Um, but like you think back to the World Cup last year and going into, like we were all kind of talking about how good like the strength and depth was. And I think when you look at Ireland's bench at the weekend, like it's, it wasn't quite there. And I know there are some key guys missing, you know, we can rattle off plenty of big names, but it's a, like, it's a bit of a concern, I think, for the guys underneath because like those guys are going to be just as crucial to the whole thing going forward. And, like Ireland just didn't really get much from their bench, I didn't think, um, at the weekend. I don't know what you guys think. No, they they didn't, to be fair. But as you mentioned, with, with so many big names injured and, and some with long-term injuries, some with short-term injuries, you know, Ian Henderson suspended. Like I, I expect over the course of November that bench to be beefed up considerably, especially with James Lobo coming available. You're going to have Keith Earls back as well, I believe. Ty Furlong should be back in training. You know, Ian Henderson's going to be available again. Dan Levy's working his way back to full fitness. You know, I think that will come. I wouldn't, like, obviously it was disappointing at the weekend. You mentioned Ross Byrne, you know, Finley Beelham and Ed Byrne came on. Dave Heffernan struggled at the line-out as well. But I, th- I I wouldn't be pushing the panic button in that regard because I do think there's a lot of talent there to come off the bench when they when they get some of those guys back. Um, just to finish up, guys, maybe I'll start with you, Luke. You know, going into this block of, of four games now, like, what do you want to see? Do you want to see some some younger players, you know, be brought in and given chances? Do you want to see... 
the, the current team, you know, get a chance to, to iron out some of the issues they had in Paris. Like there's, a, there's some young guys like maybe Craig Casey, Harry Byrne, Ryan Baird, who could come in and feature at some stage. You know, what, what are you looking to see over the next month? I think probably a combination, Will. Um, I, I'm not sure that there is a case to really have wholesale changes for any of the games. What I'd like to see is probably a bit of a mix in. I always thought, you know, and I hate always harping back to my own career, but I can only really speak to my own experiences. I think Joe Schmidt did it really well uh, for a long period of time. And I felt like it really contributed to Leinster having a really good team for a long period of time because they never really put out a bad team. They, you, you probably consistently had... Unless for the unless for the like the very very big game like the, the top games, you probably had two or three guys switched in and out of the team consistently. So there was always a kind of a consistent enough team through the weeks, um, and it meant that those guys coming in had a nice solid platform and there wasn't complete changes. And everyone's trying to figure out how they play with each other. You know who's throwing where. So maybe I'd like to see a bit of a spattering versus say a wholesale changes. Will but I certainly would like to see lots of those guys that you mentioned. Uh, get get chance. I, I I caught a glimpse of of the the Dragons game. I thought Casey looked really really tidy again in very difficult conditions, and Munster looked good actually in that one. Um, by the way, um, and I really like to see. I I just think he looks like he's going to put a lot of pressure on Connor over the next couple of couple of uh, well months, but but, but years as well. Uh, he looks like a really really good player. Nice head and his shoulders. Um. So, yeah, he's a guy I'd love to see get a chance. Baird, you mentioned, looks good, looks like a good athlete. I'm not convinced that he's a second row. I think he might be a brilliant six, um, but he'd have to play there for Leinster, and I'm not sure he'll get opportunities there with Doris, who I think looks very good. So his future is probably in the row, but um, it might make it difficult for him at international level to, to get a huge amount of games there. Um, but, yeah, look, it, it, it's, uh, there's lots of guys, I think, as, as just to touch on the previous point, because I do think it is important, and I agree with Keenan that we probably – the bench didn't look as strong as France's. I think we've got some guys coming back in. You've got your Kellehers, you know, coming back in. You know, Sean Cronin. So that position will look very competitive, I think, fairly quickly. Um, you know, Ty, Ty Furlong. And then you probably have Porter on the bench once, once Ty is back. Um, and then Henderson, who's a line as well. So I think we're probably not as strapped there as we think um, at the moment or maybe how it looked in the weekend in terms of impact. And look, let's, let's, let's look at uh, over the next couple of weeks and, and hopefully we see a, a, few of those guys, a few of those guys coming back into the mix. And when I, w- I was enjoying Monday Night Rugby there the other day, uh, it's actually a really nice bonus to have. I watched the Ulster game and then the Leinster match. And what stood out to me in the Leinster game, I think he got mad. The match was Reese Ruddock, someone who uh, was probably one of the only players at the World Cup uh, who, who actually kind of came out of it with, with a bit of credit in the bank. And then he wasn't really featured in, in any Andy Farrell squad. It looks like for the for the short term and medium term, he doesn't really have a place in the squad. You know, he, he's only thirty years old. He only just turned thirty, I think, uh, in November, or, or maybe it could have even been like a week ago or something like that. Um, you know, does he still have a place in the Haaland squad? Because he played really well against Glasgow. Well, I think he's class. I think he gets better the bigger the game, actually, as well. He was always a guy you could rely on in, in the big matches. I'd say he's probably been a victim of Peter O'Mahony, who's just a class act as well in that position. So. Um. Yeah, like that, and, and I think as well throughout his career, we talk about a guy. I think who I I believe has been undervalued, and subsequently, uh, I think has probably probably hasn't really had the, the better of the selections over the years. Um, you know his injuries haven't been great, so uh, that's probably why we we probably undervalue him a little bit. But geez, I think he's a super player and a great resource to have, and he's a serious athlete. So. Um, again, he's another guy who you bring back into the fold. And I think all of a sudden your depth chart doesn't look as, as thin as it might have looked in the weekend. Um, 
But there certainly is, like, you know, he, he makes an interesting case. It's like, I, I thought Doris was actually very good on the weekend. I thought he was very unlucky with that. He almost pulled out of that tackle, I think, um, once he thought that, um, oh, the French player was almost... Cross. Yeah, I thought he thought he was going to pick it up and he mistimed it. Um, but look, he was once he committed and he didn't pick it up, it was over. Uh, but I thought he was good in the weekend and he looks good. So uh, that's positive. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's, it, I, I think there's just few guys there. Who, uh, I don't think the team will look exactly the same, Will, as we saw on the weekend over the next couple of months. Yeah, Keen, I'll give you the last word. So before we wrap up, you know, what, what do you want to see over the next couple of weeks? Yeah, so I think we're probably due a New Ireland squad tomorrow, tomorrow being Thursday. So you'd imagine there'd be plenty of new faces in that. Like, I agree with kind of all the, the guys that you've mentioned. I, I'd definitely like to see a bit of, you know, fresh blood. Like, in, you know, that would push on the other guys as well. And I do agree. I think Leinster have it down to a fine art with the way they bring their younger guys in. They always have like a few experienced heads, whether it's like the likes of Scott Farley, Devin Toner there as well. And I think that will be key to kind of getting getting the younger guys through. I'd like to see a bit more of the attacking shape under under Mike Cash. Um like we haven't really seen maybe like we were obviously spoiled under Joe Schmidt in terms of like, you know, set piece moves and power plays that like, you know, you could tell that he stayed up all night planning and we haven't really seen anything like that. And I was a bit disappointed, particularly um at the weekend, just after the the Boutier yellow card, when Ireland had a few scrums, and I know a couple of minutes later it did lead to Keane Healy scoring his try, but I was just disappointed with a with a man less in the back line that we didn't see a bit of invention, like we didn't see you know like anything. So the pressure will be off somewhat in the Autumn Nations Cup. So I'd like to see a bit more of the attacking shape and a few more set piece moves because, like I said, we we were spoiled by what. Um, what Joe Schmidt gave us over the last few years. But in terms of players, yeah, I think Craig Casey is someone I'd really like to see. Harry Byrne has looked really sharp for, for Leinster. Like I suppose the caveat in all this is the step up is going to be massive for these guys going from Monday night rugby in Glasgow to playing, you know, in, in international rugby. But like they're the guys who you'd be expecting to to be there, thereabouts at the next World Cup. Um and we're like Andy Farrell isn't going to have too many more chances like like this, you know, coming up to, to play these guys. Uh, you think like there, there's a summer tour supposed to happen next next summer during while well, the lines is on, which technically speaking would give another chance, you know, to blood new guys. But who knows what the world is going to look like then if that tour will be able to go ahead? So I think this is a really crucial time to build that squad depth, and there are plenty of guys knocking on the door. And I think it's all about getting the right balance between them and the more experienced ones. Yeah, it's an interesting point you make regarding a summer tour during the Lions year because it was actually valuable in 2017 uh, mm. when they went to USA and Japan. There was a lot of guys who got their first caps, you know, James Ryan being one of them. I think Stockdale came, kind of featured as well and a few other guys who who had, you know, really kicked on and were very influential in 2018, th- that great year. But I suppose after a disappointing game in Paris, there's a lot to hopefully look forward to over the next few weeks. Um, Keane, Luke, thanks so much for joining us. Cheers, lads. Cheers, Will. And that's all we have time for from the left wing this week. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another podcast. In the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thanks for listening and goodbye.